0: Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast where we explore compelling ideas and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Brittany.
0: And this week, we're continuing our exploration of Catching Fire, reading chapters 22 and 23. To start us off, can you give us a recap of what happens in these chapters?
1: So, Peeta takes the woman from District 6 to the beach, gently speaks to her about mixing colors, and she paints a flower on his cheek with her blood before dying. Katniss then lets Finnick keep watch overnight to let him have space to grieve Mags alone. The next day, they receive ugly ointment, and Katniss and Finnick have a moment of fun by scaring Peeta awake with it all over their scabbed faces. Soon, Johanna, Wyrus, and Beattie stumble onto the beach covered in blood from blood rain they were caught in during the night, and... Johanna yells at Katniss and says she brought Wyrus and Beattie for Katniss so that they could be allies. Wyrus keeps repeating TikTok, and Katniss finally realizes that the arena is a clock. They go to the cornucopia, stock up on weapons, PETA draws a map of the arena until they're ambushed by the careers who kill Wyrus. Katniss and Johanna kill Kashmir and Gloss. Finnick protects Peta from a spear, and an Obaria and Brutus get away because the cornucopia platform starts spinning. Since they don't know where 12 o'clock is anymore, Katniss and Finnick go to tap a tree for water in a section they are sure the monkey mutts aren't. Katniss ponders why three different victors work to save Peta's life, until she hears Prim's scream, and takes off running towards her voice.
0: Okay, well let's head into our analysis then. Let's start with our striking moments, the things that stood out to us during this read-through. What did you have?
1: So this time, when I was thinking about the woman from District 6, I was remembering that District 6 is transportation. Mm. So that means her people were forced to make the trains that brought her to the capital the hovercrafts that took her into the arena twice and now the hovercraft that takes her corpse away mm-hmm. and just i don't know was struck by how sad that is uh i remember in our discussions of the last book in one episode i was thinking about the coffins mm. and if district 7 which is in charge of lumber is making those at the dead tributes come back in here. I was thinking about that again, but for District 6 and yeah, just how it's just another terrible way that the oppression works in Penem. Mm. I was also thinking about clocks i'm like how those work in Penem, analog versus digital. You know, for us if if we hear 12 chimes, that is something that we would probably associate with a clock. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it wanna gets more convoluted when it's there's twelve districts exactly, and you know, yeah. things like that as well. But I only know about chiming clocks, really, from movies and books and things like that. I never grew up with a chiming clock in my house, <laughs> you know. And so I wonder how kind of distant that is from most of the victors to to even have more of a concept of that and time you know
0: yeah absolutely i mean it, it's interesting because we also have wiris singing the grandfather clock song which Katniss doesn't know mm-hmm. which i think h- kind of highlights how cultural ideas of clocks itself are uh, are going to be different in different places and times
1: totally and you know there's plenty of stuff that we would have some cultural reference that young Gen Z or this new generation of people won't, you know. Yeah, it's like um, the
0: the image for a phone, yeah, like picking up the phone yeah. and things like that. They've never seen one of uh, those a pound any... sign yeah, exactly. versus
1: a hashtag, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. like things like that. It just changed. and since wireless we know is much older than Candace, so, uh, that that could have a be a contributing factor as well mm-hmm. <laughs> and the last thing that was really kind of striking me this read-through was grieving just realizing that for viewers these games are unique in the fact that they're seeing tributes grieving mm-hmm. And, and maybe it's the first time. I mean, I think what Katniss did with Rue yeah. showed a bit of grieving, even though she wasn't crying a lot or, or things like that, because she was purposefully making herself not. But Katniss briefly grieves over Peta when she thinks that he's dead or dead and not going to be resuscitated. And Peta and Katniss comfort the woman from District 6, and Finnick we know cries probably for a while grieving over mags and how yeah that must just be really striking for people to see really for the first time done openly it really goes against the whole idea of the games right -hmm. Uh, that these are people who it's fine to sacrifice and who will kill each other and aren't sad about it. And that's one of the reasons why they're less than us. I think it's also one of the first times that people in the capital would actually feel some sense of grief because they don't normally grieve for kids that they're not familiar with when they die in the arena. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time that they have known who these people are or they feel like they know them for years or decades so all of that together you know I think it's just it's really interesting that it's the first time that everyone almost I'm sure snow's not grieving (laughs) but most people in Panem are grieving those in the districts those in the arena and those in the capital all at the same time
0: Hmm, yeah
1: what about you? What are your striking moments?
0: Well, for one, I thought it was funny and, and I, I don't know if I read it this way in the past, but I realized that Finnick recognized Johanna because she shoves Wiris over. Yes. <laughs> I think And I,
1: like stamps her foot or whatever. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I think I always saw it as he just had better eyes, and he was able to, to recognize her first. I don't think I ever read it that way before, mm. so I did kind of chuckle when that happened. Obviously, it's awful, but like his recognition of Johanna for being awful.
1: Only is, she right, would be acting like this exactly. in Serena, where they could all die. Yeah, yeah.
0: I also noted how there's a line about dying songbirds
1: mm-hmm. when
0: Katniss thinks about all the people who could be related to songbirds in some way who've died, uh, in, especially because of the games, that just kind of hit differently after reading The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Totally, uh, I was thinking
1: that too. And
0: and how, obviously, songbirds have a crucial role in all of these books, but um, just the idea of songbirds plural and seeing a number of people as songbirds, uh, I think is just an interesting kind of read uh, in pick. Of Panem's books. hmm mm-hmm. I was struck by the moment when Katniss starts thinking about getting Finnick alone with the careers. To have them kill him, essentially. hmm But she tries to start distracting herself from even those thoughts because they're too dark even for her. But I kind of read this time, because I, I talked about how I wanted to read through this as, like, Katniss is an unreliable narrator. hmm This was a moment where I was like... No, Katniss couldn't do that. Sure, I'm reading this and being like, wow, Katniss, that's dark, but I don't think Katniss, even if that kind of thing came up, she would even go through with it, Um, unless there was literally no other resort or something else changed, but even then, I don't know if I could see her having something like that happen. Yeah, it made me think a little bit more about how Katniss's kind of strategic thinking and I guess what could be considered cold ways of thinking at times, are themselves only a part of Katniss. Mm -hmm. They're not all of her, and just how, yeah, that helps to make her a more interesting character.
1: Totally, yeah.
0: And the last thing actually I had was also about Katniss' character, because after Beattie described Wirus as intuitive, I was struck by how Katniss immediately knows to go out and get the wire from Wirus' body.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And she goes to make sure that she gets that in in time, and even realize that Katniss is intuitive as well. Katniss shares that with Wiris, because she doesn't know how he's planning on using the wire, she doesn't really understand the importance of it, other than that it's important for him. But she's still saying, okay, this is something that needs to be done now, and she immediately acts to go do it. So, yeah, that kind of intuition, that kind of intuitiveness, I think, is uh, an important part of her own intelligence that this chapter just kind of highlighted for me.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's so true, because going back to the first book, her pulling out those berries, she Mm. didn't have a lot of time to think, you know, she didn't lay out a whole argument of, oh, if they do this. There's no pros and cons lists. Exactly. It was just PETA said they need to have their victor. Yeah. Well, this will force their hand. You know, it's just like so quick. I, you know, I kept this with me and mm-hmm. we can use it to force the capital's hand. Yeah, she's incredibly resourceful. But yeah, I think she does have some intuition as well, which I think is sometimes why she's able to make just such spur the moment decisions mm-hmm. that, you know, save everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, why don't we move into our next section? This is from another point of view where we talk about perspectives other than Katniss's. What did you bring?
1: One that I was thinking of is Wyrus and how she's, as Johanna described, in shock. Mm -hmm. And how she just keeps repeating the same TikTok over and over again and can't really communicate anything else. And it's not the same for obvious reasons, but... It actually kind of reminded me when I was reading it this time of when I used to have really bad anxiety for a few years. I would just shut down and couldn't say anything. I couldn't, like, articulate anything because there were too many overwhelming thoughts going through my mind Mm. and too many, like, really dark, distressing emotions as well. And it wasn't until a person, you know, if if I was with somebody else, kind of said the right thing that could help kind of ease that grip of anxiety a bit so that I could communicate again. So this reminded me of that a bit and made me think about, yeah, the level of anxiety she must be going through being in the arena. Again, before she was in the arena, sometimes she would drop off in what she was saying. Mm-hmm. But she could communicate so much more. And I'm sure seeing Beatty get stabbed and then being in rain blood for an hour and Blight dying in front of her. You know, all of these things are happening. And she knows something is important that's also making her stressed out that she can't communicate because she knows it's important. I was thinking of it just kind of snowballing and just making it so that she was stuck, you know. Yeah. Um, Until Katniss got it, until she said, oh, the arena's a clock. Mm -hmm. Then she was able to say midnight and like communicate a little bit more to ease the anxiety of, That at least that one thing that was on her mind that like they have to know that this is the clock so that we all don't die you know yeah so yeah I was just kind of thinking about her experiencing that and just her friend and like advocate and the person who kind of bridges some of the gaps between her and other people Mm Beatty is just was taken out of commission in so many ways and then (laughs) there's just Joanna. (laughs) <laughs> is not understanding the best person at all to with yeah <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I was just I was really feeling for her, and she knows so many things and she has all of these important things, but she just can't get it out in in a way that can reach other people until somebody Katness is a a little more uh compassionate and patient person. I was there to listen and take her seriously, yeah. Yeah, I was also thinking about the perspective of Katniss's mom and Prim. Mm. I mean, not during all the terrible things, (laughs) because I'm sure they were super stressed out. Yeah, especially when they see the ambush by the Careers Mm -hmm. coming upon them, and none of them are paying attention because they're looking at the map. But I was thinking about. A nice moment and nice emotions that maybe they could have felt when BD was saying that she's good with healing and seeing her taking care of them and figuring out being resourceful with the moss and the vines to to some way to help staunch the blood flow and things like that. So I was just imagining them kind of smiling with a little bit of pride that even though Katniss is so different from both of them,
0: she herself says she has her father's blood instead. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And I think she is much more like her dad. Mm-hmm. She's a hunter, a forager, a singer. But her helping others medically in the arena, which she did in last games and this games, you know, it, it's something that she learned from her mom and Prim, uh, even if she doesn't know a lot. And so, yeah, I was just thinking about them being happy inside even in Mm. the midst of all of the stress that there's something that they helped her with that could help her survive in the arena and help other people yeah yeah that's nice but about you what are your other points of view
0: i was thinking about what it was like for johanna when she first meets up with katniss (laughs) and how upset she is, how pissed she is at the lack of gratitude Katniss shows.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Because she doesn't know that Katniss didn't actually ask her to get (laughs) wires and Beattie. Yeah. And so when she delivers them after everything she's been through and Katniss just says lay off her without understanding the context that Johanna assumes she knows. Totally. uh, Yeah, I can understand (laughs) for someone who's already a bit of a firebrand uh (laughs) to uh to react pretty strongly at that
1: well yeah i mean she had to spend all of these hours just with Wires and Beattie, trying to keep them alive and maybe she would even in a little bit blame them for blight Mm -hmm. dying because maybe they wouldn't have kept trying to get out of that blood rain as much if it was just them two but I imagine that was I mean BD is like really injured and Virus is not doing well so Mm. yeah I I I can understand why she's angry but she's also just so
0: angry yes she
1: is and and that is
0: (laughs) a very (laughs) funny thing um and it's funny because she is still hurling insults at Katniss. Yeah, she doesn't turn against Finnick. No. She doesn't start attacking Finnick. Of she continues not. her <laughs> assault on Katniss. So, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting moment for her. But at the same time, being in the water, Finnick is also helping to clean her off of all the blood that she's covered in. So, mm-hmm. uh, he's I'm guessing trying to cool her off and <laughs> and keep her away from doing anything to Katniss. But yeah, it's. Uh, an interesting moment.
1: Totally. Yeah, it's interesting that she has so much anger towards Katniss. It's a very specific way, I feel like. Like, she's annoyed at Wyrus and Beattie, but it's not the same anger. Yeah. (laughs) And I wonder if part of it is she's mad because if Katniss just hadn't done this thing with the berries last year we wouldn't be in this situation or maybe she's angry because she had to go in didn't have any other choice just like Katniss but Katniss is going to get so many more sponsors than she will Uh, and maybe she's just angry because (laughs) in general her life has been terrible and instead of trying to stuff it down she just doesn't
0: Yeah, I think that she probably already has that disposition. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually see another reason why she might be angry, which is a bit of a spoiler. So if you want to avoid those, please skip one minute ahead. But Mm
1: -hmm.
0: with the plan that they have going on, Johanna is knowingly been asked and has agreed to sacrifice herself for Katniss. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I can understand someone like Johanna who is essentially being told you aren't as important as this other person.
1: Mhm.
0: being really angry at that and and not only angry at this whole situation which isn't anyone's fault but just hating Katniss because everything she does just twist the knife in her gut that why is this the person who is more important than I am? Why is this the person who I'm supposed to be putting everything on the line for when she is ungrateful in this moment, when she is however else she sees Katniss. um, For me at least, I think that's a big factor too.
1: Well, and I also wonder if it's look how defiant Katniss was and why does she still have loved ones? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, we have to protect her and Peta because she cares about Peta, you know, and she doesn't have anyone. Katniss was the one who broadcast her defiance.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Katniss at one point thinks if this is like, what it'd be like to have an older sister who she fights with. Yeah, <laughs> and it, and you know, yeah, I can kind of see this as like the the trope of like the the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. The you know how. On The Brady Bunch. Oh my god, how Jan she's just like, oh, Marsha, 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 everyone loves her, mm-hmm. no one loves me as much, and
1: I, mean, not I don't think love that she the wants same way, people to like but her, but I think she's just angry. Things are
0: easier for yeah. her, things you know, yeah, she she still has her loved ones, she has not received the punishment I've gotten, and yet she is seen as so important.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it's also. Sweet in a sense that she's angry too on Finnick's behalf. Yeah, that Finnick lost Mags, who was so important to him, as she described it, half of his family. Yeah. So she says accusatorily, "What happens to what happened to Mags?" You know, um, mm. and she's mad that somebody that she does care about has been brought more pain because of this situation as well.
0: Totally, yeah.
1: Yeah, who knows? Maybe she liked Mags as well.
0: Mm-hmm. imagine that. Yeah, I did have one other perspective that I was thinking about, and that's mm. Um, And this is, an, I think, another example of Katniss's narration missing something because we don't see a lot of what's going on with Peta after the Morphling dies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think he would have been really affected by that. I started by thinking about what Pita was feeling in the moment.
1: Mm.
0: When the District 6 woman was dying, and he starts bringing up different kinds of colors and things like that. And I really thought that it might have been Peter trying to do for her what Katniss did for Rue. Mm-hmm. Especially with him painting that moment in the training center, I was really thinking about how he was so touched by that moment and then how he wanted to do something similar but he didn't have the singing voice he didn't have these other kinds of things so he thinks back to what was meaningful in the limited interactions that he had with them and that was ideas of color and so that's something that he could bring and so he he does and he talks her through that and i thought that was a a really touching moment but i started thinking about yeah afterwards when Katniss and Finnick go to get water, and they start making camp for the night. And Peta immediately falls asleep,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I can imagine just being not only from you know dying earlier that day, but from the emotional exhaustion of that. Yeah. And and just how physically and emotionally drained he would be, and then to wake up to Katniss and Finnick's green scabbed faces. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been quite a moment for him.
1: Yes. <laughs> a great mama. Hopefully he gave him a little bit of stress relief.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd hope so. But it's it just, yeah, I, I, I kind of started realizing again how, especially now that we have such a large group of characters, we spend, I think, less time with everyone. And so this, from another point of view, becomes, I think, even more engaging because Mm -hmm. we see how Katniss is engaging with all the things they're going through, but there's five other people in her group that were doing the same. Mm hmm Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, another layer for him, too, as we've been reading more of him with the interpretation that he could have Mm -hmm. depression and not want to live and seeing somebody die for him when... Yeah. His own life isn't even something that he really wants, you know? Um, could feel just different than someone dying for you in a different circumstance, you know? Totally, yeah. I mean, it, you'd always feel guilty and terrible about it, but, yeah.
0: Hmm, yeah. Well, why don't we move into our touch points? These are ways that we see the narrative reflecting our own society. What do you want to talk about?
1: So, a short one... For me, is just when Katniss is looking at Beattie's injury and then looks at the jungle and thinks, I bet there's a whole pharmacy in there if I knew how to use it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's just so true. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just another moment. Since last book, I haven't learned a skill.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's just how useful it is to know plants all of these things that can help and we get so much out of bottles but really nature has so much there already totally i mean sure they don't have antibiotics in the same way and you know not to say that forego modern scientific medicine or anything like that but
0: yeah, we're pro-vaccine on this podcast. Yes,
1: <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's so many great properties in nature that it's just there and we don't use.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting change for Katniss, mm-hmm. who was arguably most suited to survive in the last games because of her knowledge. And here Absolutely. it doesn't really help her.
1: Mm-hmm. Which also is another point that she had the opportunity to learn about the plants, but she didn't spend time there because she was totally fine last yep. games because of her knowledge. Yeah, here I have so much information on my phone. I can access <laughs> the internet and I don't spend the time to familiarize myself with stuff. So. Yes. Yes. Another thing I was thinking about is... Beatty being so smart and quick enough to hang on to his glasses when he's thrown from the mm-hmm. cornucopia, and so I was thinking about not just the inconveniences, but also the the risks of varying levels that eyesight can bring. Yeah, clearly in Panem, <laughs> where you might be in the arena, so that's huge. But in our in our own world as well. Whether people have access to it or not. He's the only victor that we know of, I think, that has glasses. And so I don't know if other people's... I mean, you know other people can't have perfect vision, you Mm -hmm. know. So... I wonder if any of them have access to something like laser eye surgery or something like that being a victor, or if they don't, but they have had no need to correct their vision in any way. Yeah. Um, and maybe BD just wants to have the glasses because he wants to see everything clearly, even if it doesn't have anything to do with his survival, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. The closest I came was when I was traveling through Europe and Mm. i broke my glasses so for the next i think three weeks when i was traveling around my eyesight wasn't quite as bad as it is now so Mm -hmm. i was able to survive in a way that even now would be a lot more difficult but even so as i'm touring berlin and dublin and these places i'm you know spending so much time and money you know and, and resources like being able to go to there's still a definitely a regret there of that Mm. but that's the least of my (laughs) oh no you you couldn't have as
1: good of a europe trip
0: (laughs) but that's the thing is that's i'm saying it's the closest i've come no i know know, i know
1: uh
0: because i was in europe and i didn't know where i could go to get new glasses so if if my eyesight was as bad as it is now i probably would have to find that out because Mm. uh it just would be so much more detrimental but yeah so that's a really good point.
1: No, I have a similar story, but it was when I was in Peru and I lost one of my contacts. I I, I don't know what happened. Well, I actually had these type of contacts that almost serve as a retainer. Like after you get braces off, you put on a retainer so that your teeth don't shift back. And so they kind of reshape your cornea. So that you take them out in the morning and you can see basically 20-20 throughout the day. And then you put them back in at night and it helps maintain that as well as makes your vision not get worse. Mm-hmm. And my both of my parents have terrible vision. And so I was like, well, I got these when I was in high school. And, they, they, you know, they have helped prevent my eyesight from getting worse and so I guess in a way, maybe, I don't know if it was better or worse, but I would put one contact in one eye and sleep with it. And then during the day, I would put it in the other eye. And my, wow. my eyes are both the same prescription. So like I would get headaches and stuff, but it was, it was better than nothing. And so, yeah, it can, it can be an issue. Yeah. Uh, obviously not as big of an issue as people in other countries who literally don't have access to uh, vision care. But yeah, I mean, ice can just be a huge thing. So yes. But (laughs) what about you? What are your touch points?
0: Um, Mine are actually kind of continuing in this theme, actually. Uh, First, a short one of my own. uh, When Katniss talks about how She's starting to scab up and how the itching... She doesn't know it's worse, the itching or the pain itself. Mm -hmm. And that just reminded me of another story from when I was in Europe and (laughs) I got stung by a school of jellyfish. Um, Oh, yeah. So I had at least eight stings all over my body. And, like, they weren't fun when I got them, for sure, but by far the worst thing was a week later when they all scabbed up Mm -hmm. and just knowing I couldn't itch them but like feeling them all the time and some of them were in like really bad places like my armpit so it's always moving it's like not just not okay so yeah that was uh, that was bad again pretty tame compared yeah. to a killer fog but yeah. uh <laughs>
1: uh what isn't yeah
0: but a, a, a personal touch point
1: yeah <laughs> yeah note to self don't swim where were you
0: This is in the Mediterranean.
1: Yeah, don't just go swimming in the Mediterranean.
0: Yeah, whoops. (laughs) Uh, But actually on that note, I started thinking a little bit about kind of how different levels of privilege interact in this chapter, Mm -hmm. because compared to the first games, Katniss has a whole new level of privilege as a tribute here. For one, she and Peeta are the youngest, Uh, You know, it doesn't mean that they are going to be necessarily the prime of their health, but certainly much more so than someone who is middle-aged or older.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: They also have a huge amount of sponsors, people who love them, particularly now that they're allied with Finnick.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: they just have the privilege of being part of a pack, a career-like pack, with now four people able to fight and able to actually take out half of the actual career pack when they attack
1: Mm -hmm. in
0: these chapters. And so, whereas in the first book, Katniss is always on the run. She's having to be much more cunning and and sly because she is at a disadvantage. Here, she is much more advantaged. She's much more privileged about that. But she's still in the arena. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of privilege doesn't negate the fact that she's still an oppressed class. And so, yeah, this just made me start thinking about how, you know, that can work as an illusion for the way that people in our society have different types of privileges and disadvantages that overlap and that meet in very different ways. And how a privilege can benefit you, but it does not negate the disadvantages and the oppressions that you face in your society. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that that's an important thing to kind of remember. Uh, And it was a good example of kind of Katniss experiencing a different type of Hunger Games for her, but still being in the Hunger Games.
1: Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But let's head into our wonderments. The questions that we have on our mind after reading these chapters, what are you wondering about?
1: One thing is when Finnick hesitates before putting the ointment on Mm. and I was just kind of wondering how much his feelings towards himself are intertwined with how beautiful others find him since this is how he won the last games that he was in 10 years ago and since age 14 you know and probably earlier if he's that beautiful that that this has just been something that society's been telling him Mm. over and over again is important and um advantages of him and so I guess I was just wondering was he embarrassed to look so gross on television Or was he mainly hesitating because he was worried that sponsors wouldn't give him gifts if Mm. he looked ugly to them? Or is it just a combination of both? Because you would think in life and death scenario, this is the last thing to be worrying about. But if it's so ingrained in you and that's been your primary advantage since ever. Yeah, I wonder what it means for his self-image and his uncomfortability not being that uh but also the the tactical side of maybe others won't give me gifts if if i don't look how they want me to
0: yeah that's interesting
1: i was also thinking about johanna and her attitudes in these chapters some of the anger that we were talking about before and like is that is part of how she's acting and what she's saying a show Mm. because this is The Hunger Games, and we know that they are all putting on a show to some degree. Uh, they're not just being 100% candid about things, because they know what they do comes off a certain way to others who have money and could save your life. And so, yeah, I was, just, I was wondering if some of it is kind of a caricature that she's made for herself hmm. over the years. So that either, one, she can get away with more, <laughs> or two, she can hide what she's really thinking or feeling, which also, I think, could have a role to play in these games. Or is she this unfiltered, rude person because she just doesn't care? Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was something that I was wondering about. Yeah. But what about you? What are your wonderments?
0: And my first was... I was wondering if the Morphling from District 6 liked colors and painting before she got addicted to the morphine. Mm. Because it it makes it seem like their drug use has made it so that, whether through hallucinations or whatever else, they're engaged with colors in a visceral way that is tied, I think, to that drug use. But... Yeah, I just, I wonder if that brought out something in her and her partner or if it was something that comes through that drug use or or kind of where that came from for her. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because we, we know so little about her character. And I think that it's, it's even a, a missed opportunity because both those characters are essentially so defined by their addiction
1: mm-hmm.
0: that, yeah, I just... Uh, I would hope that that there's more to those characters and perhaps that love of colors is part of that.
1: Totally, yeah. Yeah, is the Morphling a part of what they've used as a coping mechanism in addition to painting? Mm -hmm. Because obviously PETA uses painting. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's how they started out. That was their primary coping mechanism and it wasn't enough for them to be able to deal with their trauma yeah um yeah i agree i i i wish one we knew their names Mm -hmm. i wish two that we knew more about them
0: yeah i was also wondering in what ways gifts to groups of allies might lead to divisions or tensions between the group because Mm -hmm. we notice katniss for example kind of thinks about how Finnick is what she sees as a little too territorial over the bread that comes in Mm -hmm. but I keep thinking about this every time I hear how Katniss ties the spile to her belt (laughs) because if I was Finnick and I saw Katniss do that and I thought okay what happens if Katniss gets taken out by a wave or something, and then I don't have access to this spile anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, why is she the one who always gets to have it on her belt? Totally. Um, yeah, that just makes me think about how, when you're giving a gift to a large group and it doesn't come with a message, because this isn't the movies, uh, <laughs> so you're not sure even who sponsors they are or you know anything behind it. Yeah, just those those I- different different ideas of how these really important elements of survival uh, will be utilized by a group is, I think, something that could cause a lot of tension.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to get in arguments over it, but also, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, why, why are you tying it to your belt? But also, she's the one who actually figured out what it was. So <laughs> It's like, <laughs> there could be arguments made, but... Yeah, totally. you don't want to get into it when you're in an arena and everybody's armed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> choose your battles, yeah. literally.
1: I mean, you don't get to choose your battles, so <laughs> avoid the ones you can. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, why don't we head into our last segment? These are our intentions, what we're taking with us after this conversation.
1: So, every time I've read this book and I get to the scene where the woman from District 6, six is dying and PETA is describing the colors to her. It's just such a great scene. It's one of my favorites in the entire trilogy. And yeah, it's just the beauty of connecting with someone else's humanity, the beauty of helping someone ease into death is just striking to me. And I personally find a lot of comfort and meaning in engaging with distractions with another person as a form of rest from the terrible things not only like in this world definitely that but also the acute personal terrible things that happen in life Mm -hmm. so yeah I guess I just am wanting to always remember and keep in mind that there's deep meaning and beauty in just being with someone when you can't do something to quote unquote solve Hmm. or or directly address or change the bad situation um but just being and sharing in something together is meaningful yeah what about you what is your intention
0: I think that after these chapters, I really want to pay a lot more attention to the relationship between Finnick and Johanna. Hmm. Because I do think that there's a real friendship there. Uh, We kind of talked a little bit already about some of the things that they clearly know about each other and the ways they interact. But I also don't want to kind of let myself fall so far down the the bro TP kind of rabbit (laughs) hole that uh, it kind of excuses away what could be problematic behavior because him picking her up and dunking her in the water repeatedly like that scene reads as very funny as we were laughing about Mm -hmm. before but it could also be really an issue if that was something that she didn't want or if she was someone who didn't love the water the way that Finnick loves the water or who has problems with men picking her up and, you know, taking away her bodily autonomy or whatever else it might be, you know, I think that, that that's something that could be seen in a different light as well. And so, yeah, I just, I want totally. to... Totally, I
1: mean, I hate when people pick me up. I'm a very small person and I'm just like, no, don't just pick me up, throw me over your shoulder, even in a laughing way, because <laughs> I can't do anything about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just I want to pay a little bit more attention to their interactions, to the ways that they think about and talk about each other and uh, just kind of not only highlight that friendship, but also be more critical of that, too.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion. So what's happening next time on The Hunger Games?
1: So next week, we are going to be reading chapters 24 and 25 we Katniss and friends hatch a plan
0: Ooh, and that will be our penultimate catching fire episode
1: chapter episode yes
0: where we look read through the chapters yeah
1: we'll do a fun, like a conclusion episode like we did for the hunger games book but yeah only two more chapter episodes yeah and so that's means it's a great time if you have been thinking about becoming a patron but haven't yet we are soon going to be having our live zoom meetup again to talk about catching fire and our experience reading through it and with the episodes and everything like that Uh, last time was super fun so we would love to have you join us this time absolutely And also, if anybody wants to volunteer to help with the transcripts of our episodes, we already have the bulk of it put through a program, but just need someone to go in there and edit them. And we don't really have the resources and energy to be able to spend time on that right now. But if any of you would like to volunteer to do some of those, that would be amazing. We have several of our episodes already transcribed and they're just waiting for a little help. So you can. Let us know by writing us on any of our social media platforms, as well as emailing us at geekbetween at gmail.com.
0: You can find links to our website, social media, and our Patreon in the episode description. And we hope that you will join us for that live session coming up soon.
1: And also a trivia quiz coming up soon too.
0: Ooh. We want to thank Kimberly taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find our designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Instagram or Patreon. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then,
1: geek Geek out. out!